On today's Locked on Jayhawks, we look at an early preview of the Kansas-Texas game coming on at Big Monday. You are Locked on Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Derek Johnson. You can hear me also on Rock Chalk Sports Talk, Monday through Friday. 3 to 6 on KLWN and Lawrence. Thanks for making Locked On Jayhawks your first listen every day. Free and available wherever you get any of your podcasts. And uh, on today's edition of the show, I'm pre-recording this ahead of time. We're going to preview Kansas taking on Texas on Big Mondays. So uh, I'm out of town officially when you're listening to this. And uh, we'll have a recap of the Iowa State game and the Texas game coming when I get back on Tuesday. But I did at least want to go over and talk a little about the Texas matchup because it is such a big matchup. Obviously, you know, how important could it be for first in the Big 12? I don't know. It depends on what happens on the Saturday games. Does KU win or lose to Iowa State? Does Texas win or lose on the road against Kansas State? But nonetheless, obviously very important matchup between KU and Texas on Monday night. First, this episode of on Jayhawks is brought to you by FanDuel Sook, the official sports book of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started today. AU takes on Texas storylines in the game. As I said, recording this ahead of time. So, um, you know, possible battle for first in the Big 12. Even if it's not, it's two top tier teams. So if Texas beats Kansas State, on Saturday and KU loses at Iowa State, now you're two back. And then the storyline would move to, I guess just insert whichever scenario happens, the storyline would move to Kansas needs to win this game to stay within striking distance. If Texas loses to Kansas State, Kansas beats Iowa State, now you're looking at getting an edge up on Texas. Now if both teams win or both teams lose, you have the opportunity to, um, I guess, move even with them, and then at that point, you're maybe behind by a half game or a game of some of these other teams. Certainly a lot of shifting can happen, but either way, regardless of what happens over the weekend, you do view both these teams as Big 12 title contenders, and so this game is going to be very important for the Big 12 title race. It's also a very important game for seeding in the NCAA tournament. Both Kansas and Texas are teams that could be battling for number one, number two, number three seeds in the NCAA tournament. This would be a huge resume-boosting win and certainly would give you a notch up, at least for now, before the return trip to Austin on the second meeting there. Second storyline is the first meeting between these two teams. You've played Kansas State. You've played Iowa State twice. You haven't played Texas once. So this one's certainly a little bit different. And, you know, when you look at the series last year, you had Kansas lose the game in Austin, a game that they probably shouldn't have lost. I forget what they were up by. It was like up four with maybe a minute left or something. And then I think it was Trey Mitchell, like banked in a three. Um, and then you you didn't really execute well down the stretch. You give up that game and you end up losing. Obviously, KU ended up being more than okay. And then you played them again a few weeks later in Allen Fieldhouse in um, your final game of the regular season. And it was senior day. And it was an ugly, gross game. Neither team was really making shots. Ochai really struggled from the floor. You ended up going to overtime. You had that one mad scramble where you almost had a a turnover. It leads to a dunk, I think, from David McCormick, and you end up winning on senior day to clinch a share of the Big 12 title with Baylor. That was also the game that if you're watching on TV, half the game at the end, they're showing like this split screen of Coach K, um, which was so annoying, but also it was kind of nice that you were eating into the game time of Coach K's 
final uh, game with Duke, kind of the suck fest that was going on there. And um, that was certainly funny, but uh, yeah, you don't really expect something to happen there. So um, the third storyline here, no Chris Beard, no problem so far for Texas with Rodney Terry, seven and two. Again, recording this before Saturday's action, so the will be eight and two or seven and three in Big Twelve play. Rodney Terry's done an excellent job since taking over after Chris Beard was let go with the off the court stuff. And if he keeps doing this, I don't know, he's probably going to coach his way into the job, being from interim to a full position. But also with Texas, they have all the money and resources. I would imagine they're still going to search for some of the big name coaches. But again, if you know if Rodney Terry wins the Big Twelve. And you know has a a run into the second weekend or further of the NCAA tournament. It's going to be hard not to go with that guy. Um, but so far, so good. Certainly, he was inherited with a very good roster. This is one of the most talented teams in the Big Twelve. You could argue maybe the most talented team in the Big Twelve by certain regards. Like if you're looking at pure athleticism and you know just what they bring with some of their players like Marcus Carr and Tyrese Hunter and Dylan Mitchell. Just the pure athleticism they have from some of these guards, like. They're up at the top at the Big 12. This is also, for our final storyline here, a um, Big 12 Player of the Year candidacy matchup. Now, it's not that these guys will be going up against each other. Obviously, with Kansas's switching defense, you could have moments of the game. You could have lapses where these guys do end up on each other, where KU is, is guarding him. But uh, Jalen Wilson, obviously Big 12 Player of the Year candidate, probably the front runner right now for Big 12 Player of the Year, versus Marcus Carr, who... You know, sometimes the award just ends up going to the the team who wins it. And if that ends up being the case this year, Texas winning the league, Marcus Carr is that guy. He's put up really good numbers for them, scores in really tough positions. He shot it really efficiently from all over the floor, can facilitate a little bit. He's been really helped, I think, by Tyrese Hunter to where he can, you know, at times be a facilitator, but at other times just kind of go and be a scoring guard and be set up in some of those good positions. So they won't always be on each other. Maybe there's a few possessions where Jalen gets switched on to Marcus Carr, but both players have such a big impact for their team. And from that standpoint, it is a, a storyline. I said that was the last one. I did have one more. Back to the Texas athleticism, Kansas versus athleticism, because one kind of bugaboo for Kansas over the last, maybe last year and this year, maybe even the year before, has been Kansas when they play ultra-athletic teams. So you go back to the uh, the 2021 NCAA tournament, Kansas loses to USC. They get blown out in the second round of the NCAA tournament. What is it the USC had that was so good? They were unbelievably athletic with the Mobley twins and or, or Mobley brothers and some of the players they had. You go back to last year. They got blown out at home by Kentucky. That was an ultra-athletic Kentucky team with Oscar Shibway and Severe Wheeler and, you know, Jacob Toppin and some of the different players they had. It was a very athletic Kentucky team. You go to this year, Tennessee. Like the one thing that sticks out about them, they're physical, they're athletic. Um, Duke was a physical, long, athletic team. They gave you troubles. You ended up winning the game, but it ended up being a very close team. Doesn't mean that every athletic or, or physical team you're going to lose to, but certainly when you look at the common denominator of some of the teams Kansas has lost to, or especially the ones that have blown them out, like TCU is another great example. You know, plenty of athletic players on that team and they get out in transition. That's been a common source that has caused Kansas some troubles. Texas is a very athletic team. How does Kansas do in this game? Again, Kansas has beaten a lot of really good athletic teams too, but the games where they have had those big losses, that's been kind of a common theme. So we'll see how they do this time against the Longhorns. We're going to get on to our Texas scouting report. 
But first, episode of Locked on Jayhawks is brought to you by FanDuel. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sportsbook in America with FanDuel. If you're new, that's even better. They have so many great features and bets, and you can download the sportsbook app now with FanDuel Sportsbook at FanDuel.com slash Locked On. You can bet Super Bowl 57, getting no sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back. In bonus bets, if your first bet doesn't win, they let you bet on everything from point spreads to money line to who's going to score a touchdown. You can bet on the uh, big Monday game where you can pick, you know, Grady Dick to score 15 plus points and uh, Timmy Allen for Texas to score 10 plus points. Jalen Wilson have 20 plus. Put it all together in a parlay or bet them individually. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57 up to $3,000 back in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook parlay. Disclaimer in the description page. Onto the scouting report of Texas. Um, they'll either be 18 and 5 or 19 and 4 coming into the game. They'll either be 8 and 2 or 7 and 3 in Big 12 play. Um, either, I guess, tied for first or in first all by themselves coming into the game. When you look at their schedule, they uh, blew out Gonzaga in their third game of the season. That was really an eye opener. Gonzaga hasn't been as good as we thought. They're still a good team, but you know, we thought they were one of the the you know five elite teams, maybe 10 elite teams. They're like a top 20 team, but uh, still impressive to blow them out. They beat Creighton, who record isn't great, but Ken Palm loves them. Lost to Illinois in overtime. And then in Big 12 play so far, they uh, have been impressive. They, they had the home loss by 13 to Kansas State. Um, they have the 11-point loss at Iowa State. But outside of that, it's been really good stuff so far for them. Um, they have a four-point win over TCU. It's probably the best win, a five-point win over Baylor. Um they lost to Tennessee by 11 in the, the Big 12 SEC Challenge. So certainly Tennessee picking on the uh, top Big 12 schools. When you look at what they do well, this is a team that likes to get up and run. They're 34th in the country in average possession length offensively, so they play at a fast tempo. Could be good for Kansas if they get up and down. They're 12th in the country offensively. So um, that athletic offense, they get a lot of transition baskets. KU has to do a better job than they did in the TCU game at home. Uh, they shoot the ball really well on two-point shots because of the athleticism, really good at driving, dunking, and they're really good at getting those transition buckets that, you know, if you have a transition wide-open layup, like, that's a 99% shot. So, obviously, you're going to shoot better on twos. They have struggled from three-point shooting. They're below uh, 30, or they're below 34%. They're at about 33% on the season there. So, not a great shooting team, but really good at driving, getting into the lane, the teeth of the defense, and everything. They don't turn the ball over very much. So they do a good job of keeping their extra possessions. They're kind of just an average offensive rebound team. On the other side, though, sometimes they send numbers back to avoid giving up transition buckets and don't go after offensive rebounds. So that might make it tough for KU to score consistently in transition. But this is still a good defense, top 30 defense in the country. They turn you over at a really high rate, not quite as much as like an Iowa State, but they're still one of the better ones in the country and in the conference. Um, so they get a lot of steals. They get a lot of non-steal turnovers. Like I know Chris Beard no longer there, but those Chris Beard teams, certainly it's instilled in them to take a lot of charges and have those help side defenders take charges. Um, they're not like an elite rim protection team, but they're pretty good at it overall. But mainly defensively, they're just led by the turnover numbers. And then they're pretty solid at, at some of the other things. As far as in Big 12 only play, though, um, the steal rate's still good, third in the conference, but 
They haven't been great in some of the other areas. Offensively in conference-only play, the three-point shooting is fifth. Free throw shooting is first. They've done a good job there. Second in two-point shooting offensively, and they've avoided turnovers. So just kind of overall, like, well-rounded team, very good for Texas. Um, they're going to play small in a lot of areas, but beat you with quickness. And a lot of the guys, even though they are small, have really good verticals. So Marcus Carr and Tyrese Hunter, those are the one and two. Um, Hunter can be a really good defender, facilitator. Hunter either is like inferno hot from three, like he can't miss, or he really struggles from three. It's kind of one of those two things right now, early in his career. Marcus Carr, really big shot maker, can take tough shots, make tough shots for them. Those are two really good ball handlers. Then you have Serge Jabari Rice. They brought him over as a transfer. He is a sharpshooter, hasn't shot super well from three this year, just above 30%, but he has that in his arsenal that he can really go off. Great free throw shooter, too. You have Timmy Allen, who's um, kind of a, a, I don't know, four-man, six-foot-six, like a little bit undersized, but plays bigger than you think, has good touch, does a lot of things well. And then at the five position, they've yet to really fully lock that down. But like Dylan Disu, bit of a stretch five, Christian Bishop, is a small ball five that does a lot of good things well. You're also going to see a lot of Brock Cunningham, who's kind of a glue guy for them, can hit threes, play defense, um, and a lot of Dylan Mitchell. Dylan Mitchell is one of their good young freshmen, insane, really good defender, can go up and catch insane lobs. Um, he is like a six foot eight wing, but they've been playing him at like the four and five a lot this season. So he's going to be kind of in that like Josh Jackson role from KU, except extended into a bit of the five position. As far as guys going off, Marcus Carr is the first one you circle. We've seen Timmy Allen go off in a game against Kansas before. Um, the athleticism of, you know, Mitchell and Arterio Morris, like that's certainly interesting, but it's it's mainly Marcus Carr and, and preventing Tyrese Hunter from having one of those games where he just goes bananas from three. We're going to get to our matchups of the game in just a second here. But first, this episode on Jayhawks is brought to you by Built Bar. Are you looking for a delicious treat but don't want all of the fat and calories? Then you got to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays, and I know my goal is to eat a little bit healthier. And if you're like me, where you want to eat healthier, you want to compromise all your taste, then you got to try Built Bar. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. They're so delicious, you won't think they're good for you, and it's perfect for your New Year's resolution. What makes Built Bar so good, for starters, 100% real chocolate. Real chocolate, that's right. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, coconut almond, and peanut butter brownie. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. What's even better, they're healthy, only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 17 grams of protein, and now you don't need to wait around to get a box. I mean, you still can. You can order at Built.com. That's always going to be a staple. Order at Built.com. But you can also go into your nearest Walmart or Sam's Club at a four-bar box, types like cookies and cream, double chocolate, coconut puffs. At Sam's Club, you can get a 13-bar box, brownie batter, churro thank me later try it with built bar at built.com finishing things up with our matchups of the game number one kansas trying to stay in front of tyrese hunter and marcus carr maybe i would extend this out to arterio morris they're a five-star point guard who uh comes off the better and can play at a high level too but you have to be able to stay in front of those guys. Otherwise, they're going to get into the teeth of the defense and not just cause problems getting to the rim, but also creating open shots for other players like a Sir Jabari Rice. Um, and that's going to be difficult for KU. Like you, you view it as well. We could put Dewan Harris on one of those two, and I'll be interested to see which one he's on. But then who's on the second one? 
is this going to be a game where we see a lot of Joe Yesifu and or Bobby Pettiford? It might be because you might need that quick little guard to stay on them. So maybe we get more minutes of one of those two guys because if Grady Dick is your two, the, I don't know, super athletic, quick, small point guard, that might be a bit problematic for Grady to try to guard off the dribble. So maybe a little bit more of Joe and Bobby in this game. Certainly Dewan is going to have a key component of this game in terms of how he does defensively and keeping in front of those guys. Kansas versus the athleticism of Texas is certainly on here, as we talked about earlier. Uh, how does Kansas deal with that? That goes into the Grady Dick on one of the smaller guards. Um, it goes into you know, how would Jalen Wilson deal with like Dylan Mitchell? I, I do think Kansas is in a good position here in terms of like with Texas, it's a with Dylan Disu, it's a stretch five. With Christian Bishop or Dylan Mitchell, it's a small ball five who's kind of athletic. Well, Kansas plays a small ball five who's very athletic with KJ Adams, too. So I do think matchup-wise, KU might match up okay in that regard. Um, Texas is a physical team, but some of the other teams have given them tr- problems with the physicality, like Tennessee had a bunch of seven-footers. I don't know that that'll be the case for Texas, but certainly that's something to watch for. Um, the ball pressure of Texas versus the Kansas ball handlers. So this goes back to Dewan Harris, need to take care of the basketball. KU has been at their best when they've been able to limit at those and Dewan's been at his best he's been able to limit those and you've only seen one or two turnovers in a game have to do it well against Texas they're going to throw numbers and bodies at you going to lead to maybe attrition and you got to deal with it and you know if he has a good game I think Kansas wins the game um next up the sharpshooters Serge Jabari Rice like I said just a little over 30 percent for three this year for his career though he's even better than that he can get hot in a hurry especially if you leave him open then you have Grady Dick for for Kansas one way to beat good defense, you shoot over it. Grady Dick has a good game. Then that's very, very helpful for Kansas against a good Texas defense. And for Grady, I wonder if it's an expanded game too. Because on one side, you do say, well, how is he going to guard this small, quick guard? He's also got the height advantage. Would this maybe be a game where, you know, we've seen a few times Bill Self post up a guard if they have a big size advantage? I haven't really seen Grady Dick do a post up. Would he have a play or two where he does post up if he's being guarded by you know like a six foot two Marcus Carr or a six foot tall Tyrese Hunter I think that'll certainly be interesting and you know if it's going to be a close game with two really good teams if one of those sharpshooters hits three or four threes and the other only hits one or two maybe that's the swing in the game to decide who wins I think the best player matchup in this one is probably the offense of Marcus Carr if he's on Dewan Harris defensively, but I think overall for the game, it's Timmy Allen versus Jalen Wilson. Timmy Allen, really good kind of wing four man for Texas, averages double digit points, gets a handful of rebounds, good passer, can shoot it well from the mid range, just does a little bit of everything. Very useful player, very good player for Texas. And he played really well in the game in Austin against KU that Texas won last year. He had 24 points, nine rebounds in that win. In the loss, though, he had just nine points and four rebounds. So very big difference between the two. Jalen played well in both games last season against Texas. He had 18 points and 11 rebounds on six of 10 from the floor in Austin. He had 17 points, 13 rebounds on five of nine shooting. And that's him as the you know third or fourth option of the offense um, last season in the win in Allen Fieldhouse on senior day. So. so and they started targeting him, Texas did, at the end of that the game in Lawrence 
to try to get a bucket. They'd get the switch and they'd target him. And he played really great defense in that second game in Lawrence. I'll be interested to see that matchup because Jalen's been on such a tear. So good. You would think KU has the advantage there. But how much can Timmy Allen chip in to that advantage? Because in the game in Lawrence, not really at all. But in the game in Texas, he was able to come out with a very big performance. And certainly that would be large into this game. The last one is the Kansas interior defense with Texas being one of the best teams in the country and the conference in getting two point shots with their driving abilities. You have to have good interior defense, but a lot of it is going to rely on just stopping the ball, right? If you're, you're out on the perimeter playing defense, just limit your guy from having a paint touch of, of getting a dribble into the paint. That's going to be very important, but can the help side defenders do a good job rotating over and giving you that rim protection? Do we see more from Ernest Uday and Zach Clements as far as being rim protectors and helping KU on the interior of the defense? Because that's going to be crucial against the Texas team who really lives there. But if you can avoid turnovers, you give less runouts, you give less transition plays to them, and that'll certainly lower the two-point percentage on its own that'll do it for this episode of locked on jayhawks we'll be back on tuesday to recap everything that happens with iowa state and the texas games don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you get any of your podcasts you can me on twitter at d johnson radio and that'll do it for today's episode of locked on jayhawks